Hey, uh, just want to say once again, if you came today expecting the uh, end of taste, I'm, man, I'm sorry. I just apologize for that. You, I hope you know we only do that like not too often around here that we would switch up, but really, really kind of came to the conclusion that just said, with as much as going on and as much conversation that's happening out there right now about what's happened in Japan and what's going on over in some of the Arab nations right now, and, and just this idea that said, you know what, you and I probably have friends who are having that conversation, and you and I ought to invite in the room. And so, just wanted to give all of us a chance to kind of have that opportunity to say to people maybe who are really, really far from God right now, hey, you know what? God's got some answers to this. So, we're going to do it after Easter. It'll be there. We've extended a little bit, and thank you for being gracious. And uh, if you're going to throw something, throw it right now, and uh, I'll do that. But here's, here's kind of the cool part is that actually as we kind of went back and said, okay, so what are we going to do for the next couple of weeks together? I had the opportunity to go and say, you know what, I, there's something I think God's just been kind of laying on my heart, and maybe this is just that opportunity for us to have a conversation that I think maybe is long overdue for you and I together, long overdue in the church in general, and, and what does it mean to do that? And, and the conversation is just simply this, what does it look like for you and me to be unapologetic, sold out, fully committed followers of Jesus Christ? What does it mean for you and I to actually be ready, true disciples, and, and not just casual in our relationship with God? Here's the deal. In the church today, right now, we are facing an epidemic of casual Christians who, who basically take this whole idea of following Jesus, and it's just kind of one other thing in their life. They'd say, look, I've got my career, and I've got my family, and the kids have got sports, and I've got my hobby, and I've got Jesus. And it, it, Jesus just ends up being part of a list of what's going on within our lives. And you get that that's never where Jesus wanted to be. And, and, and so the question comes, you know, what, what does it mean for us to reevaluate and just say, look, I, I get it. I get, that, I get that this isn't a casual call and that I'm, I'm not supposed to be a casual… Matter of fact, the buzzword right now within churches for casual Christians is consumer uh, Christians. How would you know if you were one? How, how would you know, hey, am, am I really a disciple or am, am I a casual Christian? And here's, here's the thing. Casual Christians are all about comfort. See, it's all about, it's all about uh, being able to kind of just take it easy as I follow Jesus, to pick and choose what things I obey and what things I don't. So, let me help because let me throw some things out and then you can decide where you are. So, here's the deal. If you're one of those Christians that every single Sunday or every couple weeks pops to whatever church is having the cool series, the sexy series, and you're never going to get in and dig into a church and make that your home so that you can actually do life with other Christians and change your world from there. See, if you're just the latest and the hottest, you're a casual Christian. See, if, if, if you're here today and you go, look, look, serve, serve. Have you seen my schedule? Do you get, do you get, do you get what my life is like and just, I mean, how many commitments I've got and, and serve? So, if I am going to serve, I mean, if I'm going to think about serving, then it better be something that's darn easy. I mean, it better be something that doesn't inconvenience me, and it better be something I can do with a minimum amount of commitment and, and, and no study, and I, ought to, I need to be able to show up and, and leave. It, 
you're a casual Christian. See, if you're here and you go, look, give, give, give sacrificially to the church. I mean, give? Are you kidding me? Do you know what my finances are like, and do you you know where I am in that? And and I mean, I've got I've got financial commitments everywhere you can imagine. And besides the fact, what little bit I've got left over, I'm saving for an iPad right now. You're a casual Christian. See, if if you're if you're in in the room and you go, look, here's the deal. I'm one and done. See, I, you know, I'll make it on Sunday, you know, on the Sundays I'm not busy with something else or heading to the lake or going the other place, and, but I'm one and done. I mean, if Jesus gets me on Sunday and I can mark the box, you know, made it to church, then that, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good deal for him. You're a casual Christian. See, if, 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 if you're here today and, and you say, look, here, here's the deal, um, what we talked about two weeks ago, you know, that kind of made sense, and I could see where that was going to help my life, and I, I could see that if I, if I did that, that, you know, things would be better for me. But truthfully, what we talked about last week, no <laughs> way. I mean, that, that, would, that, would, that would be so uncomfortable for me to obey Jesus in that area. I mean, it, I, I'm pretty sure that's the part of the Bible where Jesus lost touch, and maybe it's culturally different now, and doesn't make any sense for me. And, and if you're a Christian who picks and chooses which part of the Bible and which te- teachings of Jesus you're going to obey and which ones you're not going to obey based on which ones make sense to you, you're a casual follower of Christ. You're a casual Christian. And see, so guys, look, here's the deal. Chances are every one of us at some point, we, we've all been at this moment, and we all got, here's, here's what happens. Most of us, when we came to Jesus, we came to Jesus because we had a need. See, see, maybe our marriages were messed up, or may, maybe our finances were upside down and we needed a job, or maybe our kids were in rebellion, and, and someone said, hey, look, if you go check out church, and if you go listen to what they say, it, it would help, and, and you and I came, and, and it did, and, and we went, man, this is totally cool. So apparently, ready for this? God's job description is, is to fix me with all my problems and, and to take care of any issues in my life. Here's the dilemma with that, is that you and I begin to believe that Jesus' point, the reason He's there, is to help you be more successful and to help you be more comfortable. And at the end of the day, you and I relegate Jesus to being like a genie in a bottle, that, that whenever a problem comes up, whenever something's not working the way that it ought to, whenever someone is sick, and then, 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 then I pray. And then Jesus has to fix it, right? Here's the problem. What are you going to do on the day when Jesus doesn't come out of the lamp? What what are you going to do on the day when the finances are bad and you need a job and you don't get one? What What are you going to do on the day when your kids are living in rebellion and you say, God, kill them, and he lets them live? You know, wait, wait. What, guys, what do you do... When the genie doesn't show up, and here's, here's the answer, guys, is that, is that as long as you and I stay in the, in the chair of the casual Christian, as long as you and I believe this is all about me and this is all about God helping my life be better, there will come the moment 
when God doesn't do what you want Him to do, and you and I will stand on what I call the cavern of disappointment. And then you know what some of us will say? Well, it doesn't work. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, I tried that Christian thing for a while, and I mean, I did my thing, and I was going to church, and I was, I was doing all the stuff I'm supposed to do, and Jesus didn't do what he was supposed to do. And, and some of us, we'll just walk away. We'll just say, no, I, I did. I tried it. I tried the whole Jesus thing. It just, it just didn't work. Some of us, some of us will come to that moment and go, well, you know, maybe Jesus is like a slot machine. Maybe you just got to keep pulling the bar until it pays off. And, and, and so we'll go back to that casual Christian seat and we'll just figure, you know, every once in a while, Here's the dilemma. Being a casual Christian <laughs> is absolutely untenable. Jesus, Jesus won't leave you and me. Here's the deal. It's okay for this to be a phase. It's okay for you and I as we're figuring this out and exploring God to be at a moment where we really, really do believe this is all about me and it's what God can do for me. And... But Jesus won't leave you and I here. He, he will bug us and push us and prod us See, it's what Jesus was saying when he was saying, look, 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 uh, you, you need to figure this out, and you need to figure either in with me or out with me. You're, you're either going to be hot for me, or you're going to be cold for me, but let me tell you, Jesus says, the one thing you're not going to be, you're not going to be lukewarm with me. So you're either going to figure out that you really are a fully committed follower of me, and you're hot and you're in, or you're just going to say, look, I, I have no place and no time for Jesus, and I'm fully out, but what we're not going to do, we're not going to do lukewarm. And anybody ever had room temperature coffee? See, Jesus is saying, look, I'll take iced coffee, I'll take hot coffee. We ain't doing room temperature Christians. We, we just ain't doing that. And somewhere you're going to have to decide, I'm either in, and I'm a fully committed follower of Christ, or I'm out. And Jesus is going to invite us to this place of discipleship, this place where you and I begin to say, look, I thought it was all about me. It's not. It's all about him. And, and what we once thought was disappointment because God didn't do and behave in, in the way we wanted was actually the chasm of surrender to say it's not about what I want and want. It's about what you want. And I want to be a fully committed, fully surrendered disciple of yours. So here's, here's what we're going to do. For the next couple of weeks, we're just going to unfold that. We're just going to unpack that. What would it mean if hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of us that call Cornerstone home said, look, I, I'm just done being a casual believer. I'm done, and I am committing myself to be a fully sold out, 100% committed follower of Jesus Christ. I, I will be a disciple. And Jesus answers that question. What does it look like? What would, what would it take? And here's what you need to hear. It's a big deal. It's bigger than you thought it was. It's harder than you ever considered. Here's the deal. There are no wimps who are disciples. So grab your Bibles. Let's go. We'll take a look today, and we're just going to spend the next few weeks just kind of saying, what, what would that be uh, for me in my life? It's Luke chapter uh, 14. 
Now, here's the deal. I get it. I get that there are some people in this room who are pre-Jesus. You just haven't even figured out where God fits in your life. And you say, I, you're talking about being a disciple, being fully committed. I, I haven't even decided for Jesus yet. And look, here's the, it's okay. Because in some ways, this is a little bit of a family talk. That, here's the deal. If, if I were still trying to figure out Jesus, it's probably not half bad if I figure out what it means to sign on the dotted line and what he's going to ask for from me next. So you might want to stay in the room and have the conversation. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25, and here's the deal. Uh, this is, this is, this is going to get a little scary. Uh, the things that Jesus is going to say that it means to be a disciple, you and I are going to go, wow. But here's, as we do, this is Jesus. This isn't Lynn. This isn't Cornerstone. This is Jesus saying to you and I, if you really want to come after me, if you really want to follow me, this is what it means to be a disciple. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, here's what Jesus taught on this topic. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on to say, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he goes to give an illustration of that. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, but will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And then Jesus gives a third qualification. Or suppose, he says, a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off, and he'll ask for terms and peace. In the same way, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. <laughs> you are going, wow. I, I, wow. So, so before, what if we just unpack it? What if we just take a look at what Jesus was saying and, and what was he asking? What, what do you say the qualifications of truly being a sold-out, unapologetic follower of him, a disciple, looks like? So let's go back to verse 26. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, here's the deal. God is not saying, husbands, go home and be mean to your wives. It's not what he, some of the husbands are going, I thought that was the one I had right. No, it's not, it's not what he's saying. He's not saying go home and kick the kids around. It's not what he's saying. He's simply saying this, that when it comes to love, you've, you've got to place me in a completely different category than anything else in this world you love, whether that's your mother or your father, your sisters. I've got to be completely in a different category than those loves in your life. 
Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, God said this. He said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Now, here's the deal. If you go back and read your Old Testament and take a look, you realize God was really good to Esau. God blessed Esau. God did amazing things for Esau. All God was saying is, I have placed Jacob in a completely different category than Esau. Jacob is the one that I am going to bless him so that all the other nations are blessed. Jacob is the one that I'm going to use to create the nation of Israel. Jacob is going to end up being the great, 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 great grandfather of the Messiah. And I have placed Jacob in just a completely different category from Esau. And there is just absolutely no comparison what I'm going to do with Jacob versus what I'm going to do with Esau. Here's the deal. God knew, and the reason Jesus says this, is that he knew that every person who began to follow him was going to end up making love choices in their life. And some of you in this room have already started to experience that. You already, you've already tasted this. See, here, here's the deal. Some of us in this room, your mom and dad, they think you're crazy. See, they're, they're, they've always been kind of that Easter, Christmas-only type of Christian, and, and since you've started coming to Cornerstone and since you gave your life to Jesus and your life is changing, they're, they're just freaked out. They're pretty sure you've joined a cult. And, and the truth is, it, they'd be happy if you just kind of toned it down a little bit. Some of us in this room, you, you've got brothers and sisters, and man, they're just, they're just living their life so recklessly right now. That every time you go over for Thanksgiving or every time you have a family gathering, it's awkward. Because, because the difference in your lifestyle, the light in which you live, just makes it really, really convicting and really, really uncomfortable for them. They'd like to see the old you come back. Some of us are in dating relationships. And we're dating someone who doesn't know our Jesus. And, and they would say, look, look, you can do your religious thing and you can go to church on Sundays as long as it doesn't make any difference in how we date. Some of us are involved in jobs and there's just part of what the supervisor is hoping for and what he's asking that's just not completely ethical. And they're wanting you to work on Sundays and you'll not be back in church. See, here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that you and I would face a whole bunch of love choices if we decided to be a disciple of his. That we'd have to say, hey, you know, in this thing, I mean, do I love Jesus more? Do I love my job more? Do I love my parents more? Do I love Jesus more? That you and I'd have to make this call over and over and over again. And Jesus basically says, look, 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 look. When that moment comes, when you've got to make a love choice, I need to be in a completely separate category from anything else in this world that you love. It's okay to love other things. I just better be in a completely, so, so the, here's the answer. Look, look, I get it. I get that when you married me, I wasn't a Christian. And now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm a Christ follower, things have changed. And I get, I get it, I get it. You actually like me better as a heathen. But here's the deal. If you're going to make me choose between you and Jesus, Jesus wins. Because as much as I love you, Jesus is in a different category. How many, how many, how many parents in the room? 
Okay? How many are parents and you just don't want to admit it? Okay. All right. So here's the deal. Let's imagine, let's imagine that one of your kids ends up kidnapped. Okay? And, and you get the ransom note. They come back and they say, look, here's the deal. In order for you to get your child back, uh, this is how much money you've got to give us. And, and it, you add it up and, and you go, there is no way we can pay that ransom unless we lose the house. I mean, that, we would lose the house to pay that ransom. So now you're going, house, child, house, child. I got a pretty cool jacuzzi. House, child. See, you know why you're chuckling? Because here's what you know as a parent. My love for my house, and I may have a really, really cool, cool house, but my love for my house and my love for my child, totally separate categories. And if, and if there is ever a moment that you come to me and say, hey, choose your house, choose your child, I don't even have to think, because my child is in such a completely different category for me as far as my love. Man, my child wins every time. That's what Jesus just said. Jesus said, look, if this comes down to you and your parents, if this comes down to you and your spouse, if this comes down to you and the person you're dating, if this comes down to you and your money, if this comes down to you and your career, I've got to be in a completely separate category. And, the, and that your love for me, your love for me, it, it, every time. Every time. If you're here today and you're dating somebody who doesn't know you're Jesus, you've already made your love decision. See, if you're saying, look, 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 business world, being a Christian, those are two different things. You've already made your love decision. See, if you're, if, if you're here today and you go, look, look, look. Jesus is never going to touch my pocketbook. You, you've made your love decision. If you're saying, look, I, I, I will never, ever, ever serve And Jesus just simply said, look, 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 your love for me has got to be so radically different, so radically above any other love in your life that if there ever comes a moment that you have to make a call, that you have to make a decision, that you, without even having to consider, can sit there and say, look, 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 if this is between choosing Jesus and choosing you, if this is between Jesus and choosing my career, Jesus wins. Jesus wins every single time because he is in a completely different category from anything else I love. Matter of fact, did you catch the last part of the verse? And it says, even if, he, even if you love your own life more than me. I just said no. Did you know that right now in Muslim countries, for you just to be a Christian, for you just to name the name of Jesus, they hold a funeral for you. Your entire family takes a casket, buries it, and says, you're dead to us. You are done. You're no longer part of our family. You're no longer part of our community. You're done. In Hindu countries, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you could be stoned. 
You will be ostracized. Matter of fact, no matter where you are in the caste system, you know, you may be at the very top. The minute you become a Christ follower, you go immediately to the bottom. You become what they consider part of the untouchable class. You get that to be a Christ follower in a Muslim or a Hindu country, you've got to be willing to say, my love for Jesus is so beyond even my love for me, that if I have to choose being a Christ follower or doing what's comfortable and good for me, I choose Jesus. Jesus' first statement, if you're going to be a disciple, I'm asking for radical love. I'm asking for a category in your life that I don't share with anything else that you love. There's a second thing. There's a second radical call uh, for the disciple. Go with me back. It's, it's verse 27. It says, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Matter of fact, he goes on to give an illustration. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he lays the foundation and it is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began a build and he was not able to finish. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, this will involve radical sacrifice. Whatever you think it's going to cost, whatever your estimates are on what it's going to mean for you to follow me, Jesus says, I I just want to be honest, it's going to be more expensive than you think it is. That's why he gives this illustration of somebody who went to build. He says, look, here's what happened. This guy, you know, said, hey, I I think I know. I think I know what I'm going to have to sacrifice. I know what the costs are. And he begins to build. And then, lo and behold, the foreman comes back, the supervisor of the project, says, Dude, they're, they're building a dam in China, and concrete just went through the roof. Steel is way, 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 way more expensive than we thought when we first estimated it. And it's, it's going to cost you a whole lot more to finish this. And, I, I, and you don't know. I mean, I don't know. Was he doing a room addition? Was he building a house? I, I don't know, but here's the deal. Now there's a huge judgment call because what I thought it was going to cost and what it's actually costing, or wait, and it's way more than I estimated And here's the dilemma. If I stop now, then I end up with a half-built room, a half-built house, which means I can't occupy it, and I can't rent it out. So now what do I do? And Jesus just simply says this one. Look, here's the deal. Whatever whatever you think it's going to cost to follow me, it's more expensive than you think it is. I just want to be honest about it. Haven't you wanted to say this, uh, this same thing to every couple when they get married? You know, they're 23 and they're like, I love him, he loves me, I love him, I love me. Haven't you just want to sit down and go, dude, whatever you think marriage is, okay, whatever you think you're getting into, it's a lot harder than you're thinking right now. Amen? Amen. Okay? Hey, haven't you ever wanted to say that to a soldier? He's going, man, I look really good in the uniform. And you just want to go, dude, wait, wait, wait. Okay. I, I know you like all the little bad. Here's the deal. When you get into battle, and whatever you think battle is, when bombs are flying and people are being blown up and things are bleeding, and whatever you think that is, everybody's going to tell you. 
It's way worse than anything you think. And that's all Jesus is saying. He says, look, look, whatever you think it means to follow me, you're just going to know. To be my disciple, it's going to cost radical sacrifice. There are more scars and more bumps in the road and, than you think there are. And, and I just want to be honest going in. It's interesting because... Uh, uh, when people climb Mount Everest, sometimes this happens. Sometimes, despite the best planning, despite the best execution, it ends up costing more than anybody thought it was going to cost. Inclement weather comes. It gets colder than anyone ever thought. Supplies begin to run out. And so here's the deal is that uh, as, you, as you begin to go up the mountain and as the temperature begins to drop, all of a sudden your body goes into panic mode and your body begins to pump the blood and the lack of oxygen only to those most vital organs in your body. So what happens is your extremities, things like your fingers and your toes, begin to turn colors and get stiff. It's frostbite. And so suddenly you get stuck in a place that goes, all right, if I quit now, if I head back down the mountain, I can save my fingers and toes. But if I go forward, if I continue on this thing, I'm going to lose a few. And so tales are told of, of literally what you call just kind of like an auction that goes on. As they sit and they go, okay, so what are you in for? And the guy goes, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in for, I think, two fingers and three toes. See, I... It, that, if, I, if it gets more than that, if it's more than two fingers and three toes, I'm turning around. But two fingers, three toes, I'm in. You get what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, tell me that no matter what the cost to follow me, you're in. Tell me there isn't that moment where you go, okay, this is too hard, this is too much, this is more than I bargained for. Tell me you're going to get to the top of the mountain or die trying. Radical sacrifice. See, here, here's the deal, guys. Let, let, let's just be honest. Some of us, some of us here would say, are you kidding me? You, you, mean, you mean I actually have to give up that secret sin? You, you mean that? I'm not going to do that. Come on. I'm not going to do that. There's no way in the world that... You mean I've got to serve? See, and here, here's what Jesus is saying. Just saying, look, look. If you've already made your decision, if you've already said, look, I'm never going to serve... I'm never going to take that part of my life and bring it into obedience to Jesus. I'm never going to surrender that sin to him. He's never going to touch my pocketbook. Let's just call it what it is. Because here's the deal. You get halfway into this disciple thing, and then you turn back. You're going to end up with that half-done room, that half-done house, that half-done disciple. You, you, get, you get what that moment is, right? That's what everybody who doesn't name Jesus points at and says, See, I told you. I told you. So Jesus says, look, before we do that, before we get a whole bunch of half-done houses done, just call it what it is. If, if, if you're not willing to really, this is going to be bigger sacrifice.
Truth is, guys, if, if you're here today and you just go, look, I, I'm not in for that. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to step up to those things in my life. Then you know what? Give back the chair. Let, let somebody else come sit in your seat who's going to get serious about Jesus. Go, go, go to some church where they're not going to call you to radical discipleship. Just call it what it is. And Jesus just says, look, I, I just got to be honest with you. Whatever you think this is going to cost, it'll be more than you think it is to be a disciple. There's, there's a third radical part of the conversation. Go back to the passage with me. It's verse 31. Here's what he says. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, and will he not sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, will he send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace in the same way? Any of you who does not give up how much? Everything. He has. Cannot be my disciple. So get the moment. Get the illustration that Jesus is using here. So two kings, and and they're kind of doing that whole banter thing back and forth. Hey, your mom wears combat boots. Oh, yeah, well, your mom shaves her beard. And, you know, it's just, it's back and forth, and everybody's puffing their chest, and everybody's throwing insults back and forth. And finally, one of them says, look, dude, you either take that back, or I'm going to come down, and we're going to invade. And the guy goes, do it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. You come on down here. We'll teach your wimpy little army something. And lo and behold, they invade. And now the king who's being invaded is going, dude, I didn't think they would do it. I was, just, I was just trying to act tough so everybody think I was like a big king. So now he calls in all of his advisors. He goes, dude, what are we going to do? Because they're coming with 20,000. We've only got 10,000. What do we do now? And his advisors say, I wish you would have asked us before you did the big talk. You get what Jesus is saying. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me that you're following me is more than a bunch of big talk. Tell me you're going to put up or shut up. Tell, tell me, tell me you're, you're either going to see this thing through or just be quiet about being a Christ follower. Just, just don't even tell anybody. Either, either get all in or just be quiet. That's what he's saying. You know, it's interesting that Cortez, when... He was asked to sail to the New World and hopefully find the gold that was supposed to be in the Mayans in South America. As they came, uh, Cortez had all of his men unload from the ships, and then they unloaded all the supplies. And Cortez then promptly burned the ships. And then he looked at the men and he said, now we're all in. There is no going home. This is home. We, we're either going to make this thing work or we're going to die trying. It's interesting, some of, you, some of you that know your Bibles a little bit know there's a book called Galatians, and 
Galatia is not actually a city, it's actually an area, and there's multiple small little city-state things going on in Galatia. And the thing that's kind of interesting is that for hundreds of years, uh, Galatia fended off every single attack that came their way. And, and the reason this is interesting is because actually the province of Galatia, the area, is a horrible place militarily and tactically. It's just an open plain. There's no place to have an advantage. There's no place to be strategically placed. It's just open. And yet the people of Galatia fought off every intruder for hundreds of years. You know why? Because the people of Galatia were all in. Here's what they did that was different. Uh, whenever the, another army came, whenever an invader imposed upon them, the people of Galatia would go out, the men of Galatia, and as they went to battle, they would take their entire family with them. And they would, they would stand their family on the edge of the battlefield to watch what was going to happen. And in the morning, they would stand there in front of their wife and in front of their children. They'd say, here's, here's what's going to, daddy's going to go fight. And if we lose, the new kids, those bad men over there are going to drag you off to be slaves. And wife, if we lose, I don't even, even want to think about what they'll do to you if we lose. So here's what you need to know. Daddy is all in. But if we win, we get to go home and be a family again. And Jesus just says, look, look, look. Tell me you're all in. Tell me, tell me there isn't a plan B. Tell me, tell me you are radically and completely in. And, and the, image, the image you almost get is that of a gambler who looks at his hand and pushes his entire pile into the middle of the table and just says, I'm betting it all. I'm betting it all on this hand. And Jesus says, if you're going to be a disciple of me, tell me you're betting it all on me. Tell me you're all in. We're going to keep having this conversation. We're going to spend the next few weeks. What does it mean to go from a casual Christian who really, really believes this is all about me and this is about God doing whatever I need him to do so that my life can be more comfortable and he can fix my problems? Who navigates the cavern of disappointment, all the places where God didn't do what I wanted God to do for me? Because what I discover on the other side is it's not about me. It's about him. It's about a radical love that says, look, Jesus, if I have to choose between you and anything else I love in my life, I choose you every time. It, it, it's, it's about coming to a place uh, in my life that I just say, look, here's the deal. I get it. I get that whatever it takes to get from there to here is probably more expensive than I've even considered. I get that there's going to come a moment when it's going to look like I've given everything and you're going to ask me to give more. I'll give more. Because here's my answer, Jesus. I'm all in. I'm all in. I, I will either be your disciple or I will die trying. I'm all in.
Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just, we simply come to this moment, and for some of us, it's a surprise to, to find that this call to follow you had nothing to do with comfort and had nothing to do with our plans for our life, but instead we're all about you. And I'm just going to ask that over the next couple weeks as we have this discussion together that you would call us to a radical love, a love that says, boy, if I have to choose between Jesus and anything else in my life, I choose Jesus every time. And, and I don't care if this costs more than I thought it was going to cost. I'm all in. I'm all in. I will follow my Jesus or die trying. I choose to be a disciple. God, would you just raise up hundreds and hundreds of disciples out of our congregation. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We respond together.